Man, I'm telling you all too often, we come to the word and we come to a time of worship and we expect nothing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we literally sit down and we're like, well, check a box and uh, let's not do that today. All right. Let's make sure we really go after it. This was not planned at all, this speech. So I don't know why I'm saying it. Maybe God wants you to hear it. Maybe he wanted me to hear it. I'm not sure. So time for us to get in and lean in. Let's see what God has to teach us. All right. We're in a series called Gospel Deep, His Glory Lived Out. Gospel deep is glory lived out. In other words, look, man, we hear all about the gospel of Jesus Christ, him for me, like no hope without him, everything with him, gospel, right? And it should affect every facet of our life, gospel deep, right? That's what we've been talking about over this last year and a quarter, gospel deep, that it's not just some story that gets you heaven, It's what affects every moment, every facet of every single day. Gospel deep. All right. So if that's true and uh, and we're the church, we're the called out ones. Did you know that's what the word means in the original language called out ones like God saying, hey, you time to make much of my name, the church. That's what we're there for. Our job is to be called out to lift up his glory and celebrate him with all we've got. If we're the church, how should we live it out? Last week, we talked about living with purpose more on a one-on-one level. This one, living as a church, somewhat as a corporate call, and yet individually with each of us together. How do we rally together? Living as a church. We're going to come from Romans 15, starting in verse 14. So turn with me, if you will, there. Romans 15, verse 14. We got ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. Uh, How do we live as a church to make much of Christ and his gospel? How do we live as a church to make much of Christ and his gospel? Here we go. First point. Encourage often. Remind boldly. Encourage often and remind boldly. We're coming out of Romans 15. Starting in verse 14 here, he says, uh, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness and filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Paul says, I myself am satisfied about you. I'm satisfied. Just so you know, the original language word here may be best understood as I'm convinced of it. I'm satisfied in that, right? Not satisfied like, oh, I feel all touchy-feely, but satisfied like, I'm sure it's true. I'm convinced of it. I can rest in that. All right. Some of your translations even say that convinced. Um, I'm satisfied that you are uh, full of goodness, full of goodness, not just some goodness, full of goodness, like to the top and then spilling over of goodness. I'm just telling you, that's a big deal moment. When Paul says that about someone, right? And he knows who God is and he knows the goodness of God. And then he's talking about this church at Rome and like he can't believe the goodness that's spilling out of them full of goodness. Uh, How could he go and say that? I mean, let's be real. Every human being's a sinner. And at some level, we're all making mistakes and we're on a progressive path and we're being transformed one degree at a time. And, and I'm still, while I'm better than where I was yesterday because of God at work in me, I still have a ways to go. And so full of goodness, how could he say that? Here's how he says that. Because they're filled 
with the Spirit. These guys have become experts in Ephesians 5, 18. They're not filled or controlled with wine, but they're filled with the Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit takes over in their life, what's one of the fruits of the Spirit? Goodness. And as the Spirit takes over and has a say in their life and shapes them, I'm telling you, it spills out and rolls to those around them full of goodness. It means they're letting the Holy Spirit have a way with them. That can be you right now. You hearing me? Right now. Full of goodness. It's the moment we hand it over to the Spirit. And then in the next moment, it's another decision, right? It is about, Lord, I'm handing this to you. I think all too often we think of the idea of filled with the Spirit as this very long-term thing. It takes you 10 years to get there, and then you'll keep it for 20 years, right? And here's the thing. That's not how it's described. It's described as ongoing and continuous in the moment. Do you have your sin confessed and out of the way? Have you gone and made right with those around you with who you need to get to? Are you saying, Lord, I want you to be glorified and I'm handing it over to you. You're in charge, Lord. Bam. Filled. Worshiping him. Confessed up and ready to work on your stuff with him. Filled. Full of goodness. The spirit having his way. And uh, it says full of goodness and uh, filled with all knowledge. Really? All knowledge? Like, they know everything. They knew how to build a car back then. And uh, No, not filled with all knowledge in this broadest sense. Stay in context of where he's at, right? We're in Romans. We're in Romans 14 and 15, and he's talking about the gospel, and he's like, you're filled with all knowledge. Like, you have everything you need to understand Jesus Christ and the mystery of him and the power of the gospel and life change and God at work in you. You have all that you need for that to rock your soul. Filled with all knowledge, right? Stay in context when you're reading through these. These alls can be dangerous ones uh, when you don't look around it and see what's being said. Filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. That's the beautiful thing. Not only did they have the information, but they knew how to transfer the information to the next guy and help him come along. They were skilled at making disciples. They were able to pass it along. They had teachers and shepherds and preachers that were able to bring the word and clarity and help this church light it up. I am telling you this, church, it is not about a feel-good moment. It's great if we have those. And it's great if we walk out and we're pumped up and we're excited. And But I'm telling you, it is not about that. It is about constantly rallying together, heating up the core, people on fire for Jesus Christ and those from the outside going, what do they have? And they're drawn in closer as information is shared and a challenge is given and people begin to hand over their lives to the Holy Spirit and now they're full of goodness. Are you hearing it? It's contagious, man. And that's what Paul's saying. Like, I love this church. Church at Rome, you've got it going on, man. You've got what you need to be able to make it happen and to keep it happening and to grow it in the midst. God's doing an amazing work. And uh, next verse. But. 
Oh, great. Don't you love those? Like, hey, man, I just wanted to say thanks and I really appreciate and yada, yada, yada. But like, oh, here it comes. Right. I knew it. Had something to tell me that I needed to hear and just wanted to make sure we said a few positives first. And now I'm going to get pasted. Right. And uh, but uh, notice he says on some points, I have written to you. Very boldly. Okay. I'm not going to get hit again. You're telling me you already hit me and now you're explaining why. Right. I have written past tense. And so this is probably stuff from Romans. Uh, it's possible that there's some other writings that were going on, but certainly the stuff from Romans as well. He says, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder. Why does he say that? Well, because they already have all knowledge, right? So he's like, hey, 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 remember this. Like, don't forget this and keep on with this, right? Challenge moments, uh, reminder moments. And uh, what is he telling them boldly about? I just wrote a few of them down. Here we go. Uh, Romans 6, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. He's just gone through the whole gospel description and the dead to sin and the problem of sin. And there's no hope with us alone. And, and we can't work it out. And Jesus Christ, and he's done the work for us. And faith in him brings salvation in Romans 6. So consider yourselves dead to sin. Stop practicing it, man. Stop being happy with the feel-good moment that's nothing but a train wreck trip. Stop going down a path that's all about you when Christ has died for that sin. Bam. A very bold reminder. Or how about this? Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. Just a little bit later in chapter 6 there. Let it not reign in your mortal bodies. It's one thing to do it once or twice. But reigning, like it has authority You're submitting to it now. It's not under you. And uh, don't let that happen. You have a king in your life. And his name is Jesus Christ. Time to live that out. And uh, let not sin therefore reign. Here's another one, Romans 8. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if the spirit of God dwells in you. Amen. We have hope. You're not in the flesh. You've been given something very unique. If you've trusted in Christ, Holy Spirit has taken up residence. You are now in the spirit. There is value to that. It says Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Hope. There is power and passion and purpose in our Savior. And we can know him deeply. And uh, Paul's going off a number of times in every chapter. Have we felt that in the last year and a quarter? As we walk through Romans, I mean, this is a heavy book, right? It's got a ton of theology and it's got a ton of very bold challenge. And uh, a couple more I wrote down. Uh, Romans 12, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, right? Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Remember, we talked about this when we hit that verse. Uh, It's not that you shouldn't think of yourself at all. Like, please take care of yourself, right? There's some reasonableness to the thinking through of it, but be careful. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, right? Put Christ in preeminence. Let him now lead you to who you should be serving and taking care of. And, but there's still a reasonableness to taking care of self along the way. 
Be careful with the balance of that. All too often we flip it and we just make it all about me. Right? And uh, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Verse, sorry, Romans 13, here's another one. Uh, be in subjection to all governing authorities. God placed them there. Uh, bam. And so every moment we have a boss complaint. And uh, every moment we have a parent complaint. And every moment that we have... Uh, a leader complaint of any sort. Just remember, God has placed him there. Yeah, what was he thinking with that move? Right? That's often where, like, we see things God doesn't see. That's how we treat it, don't we? We're like, God doesn't know this guy's such a moron, does he? Right? And I'm not sitting under that. God needs to be told about that. And uh, we're missing the point. God knows everything and he knows exactly what he's doing and he's got purpose along the way. And sometimes even in the sin or the misunderstanding of that leader, God's still working. Be careful. You sit respectfully underneath your God by sitting respectfully underneath the authorities over you. That's not very American. Right? The American way. I will. Right? Be careful. Sit under your authorities well. Paul spoke boldly along the way, made a big deal of things, reminding them of things. It's not that they didn't know them, but he brought them, brought them to the forefront again. And, uh, okay, it says that he spoke boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Because of the grace given to be a minister to the Gentiles. He's like, God gave me this unbelievable privilege of seeing people who didn't know him at all come to know him. I love being a part of it. I love doing the ministry of, and he even calls it grace. A gift to me I have no deserving of. God poured it on. The privilege of doing ministry for him. And then he says, what kind of ministry? In the priestly service of the gospel of God. Priestly service. Uh, when you see the word priest in scripture, you need to hear it through the right lens. Okay? Sometimes we hear it uh, when we think of a church style that might have a priest. And we're missing the point. Priestly. It means literally to stand in the gap between that person and God. It means to usher that person into the presence of God Almighty and to help them to now love him more and God to have a clearer direction into their life, to light things on fire in their life, priestly. Like my heart breaks when your heart breaks, priestly. Paul's ministry to the Gentiles as he's moving their hearts closer to God and he's unleashing God's truth on them. Um, a priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, uh, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Uh, listen, best way I can say it, all too often we come to Christ and we recognize it's faith in Jesus Christ. I got to believe in him. And I get it. Like, there's no way I can get myself there. And there's no good that's good enough. And man, any good I lift up has as much bad attached to it. And, and my works fail. I cannot earn heaven. I cannot earn God. But, but hear me. Jesus, perfect. Perfect. And I put my faith in him and his work on the cross covers for me. And I have hope in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. 
And as I now offer myself up and as I say, okay, Lord, you take me. It says that we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just take us in our rebellious punk self. He doesn't just take us in our, it will be all about me moment and go, I'll tolerate you for the rest of your life on earth. Then I'll do something about it. Like that's not how it goes. He's like, just so you know, we're going to start a work right here and right now. And we're calling it sanctification. I'm going to begin to work in your soul. And yesterday you didn't want some things that today you'll now want. And as I'm leaning in and as I'm sharing me, as I'm pouring on my glory over you, your heart literally becomes a different heart transformed. It is not a work of man. Biggest problem we have is when we start preaching applicationally, we put all the load on you and we go home. And yet the work isn't yours. It's cooperative. You get to do some, but let me tell you, the transformation is God himself pouring on your soul, sanctifying, literally changing you into a different person day by day. And you're like, I don't know, dude, I haven't been sanctified too much recently. I'm kind of the same person I was, and I'm still wrestling with the same sin I've been wrestling with. And hear me, God is in a plan to transform and he literally is willing To have you so frustrated with your current plan that he will hang on until you get the confession clear and you get the humility right and you sit before your God in submission and say, okay, Lord, it's you. And then he starts pouring it in. He will starve you of that plan of self. Get off of it. Sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Galatians addresses it well. He's like, what? You're sent, you're saved by the Spirit, right? This whole unique change and all of a sudden you're trusting in Christ and we admit that's a spirit moment of God making things clear as he draws you in. Now you're going to be sanctified by the flesh? No, that's not how it goes down, man. Sanctified by the Spirit. Every moment that we're stymied, every moment we're not seeing progress, it's a moment where we're living too much in the world of self. Sanctified by the Spirit. We've got to let Him have His way with our soul. It is cooperative, but it's His power changing us. What a privilege we have to work with Him. And uh, Paul's like, look man, I'm just encouraging you. I'm telling you a few things that are going on and I'm reminding you of a few things and I'm just trying to pump you up a little bit about some of what you can do. You've got this thing. You've got a church and it's working and God's being glorified and he's pumping them up. And uh, it, it reminds me a lot of races, right? And Paul even used that analogy, run the good race, right? Fight the good fight. And, and, uh, Jana ran a lot of marathons and triathlons, and over the years, we became adept at being fans of those. I will never be a runner of those. Everybody hear me? But fan of those, and uh, she's running around, and our job became, we have to get ahead of her by a mile or two, set up shop, and as people are running by, we cheer every one of them on. Our goal is to get to spots where there are no spectators, and it's like a dead spot in the track, and they're running on their own, and then we're cheering them on. And eating donuts. But we're cheering them on. And, and a, come on, you can do it. And Go for it. But I'm telling you, as they're running by, they're like, hey, man, thanks. And the, as they keep running by, they pick up pace a little bit. 
And, and then as John would come running by, it would pick her up and then we'd jump in the truck and we race ahead another few miles and get to that spot and we're cheering people on and looking to run her through. And have you ever noticed this? Like pumpkin festival a few weeks back with the race at the end. Okay. It's a 10 K people are coming in and they're dragging a little. The first guys are through. The other guys are coming along and all of a sudden there's all these people lined up cheering them to the finish. And have you noticed what happens? All of a sudden they pick up speed. Right. And now they're running through to the finish. Right. And they were walking or a slow run. And all of a sudden they're racing across to the end. They cross the finish line and they're like, yeah, I ran for at least a hundred yards. Right. I don't know. (laughs) But the encouragement picks them up. The challenge gets them going. I've even heard people giving direction from the sideline. There was one time where we were at a race with John running and people were standing on the side and they're like, stride out, stride out. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I'm sure it has something to do with getting a little bit bigger, wider stride, something I don't know that they needed to do to pick up pace. They were probably spending too much energy on short strides, stride it out. And, and one girl even said, that's it. She ramped, she had finished. She's got a medal on her. She goes back around and she starts running with the other people running alongside of them. Do a little bit more of this. You're landing a little too much on your heel. Check it like this. She was a professional triathlete. She's like, I'll help out. I've run mine. Let's help them. So she's running alongside of them. And that's what it looks like in the church. Do not think it's all about you doing your thing. The end. May we be there for each other encouraging each other, challenging each other, rallying for each other, helping each other, maybe in the run side by side with each other, that God might get the ultimate glory. Question. How are you doing at encouraging the person next to you to run the good race? To be bold in their faith, to make much of their king. All right. Second, be proud of what Christ has accomplished in and through you. Be proud of what Christ has accomplished in and through you. And uh, he says, in Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. In Christ Jesus, everybody say, in Christ Jesus. And don't ever miss or skip scripture, right? It says, I have reason to be proud you're like, I knew I could be proud. Right? I, I, that's my plan. I'm on the proud plan. I think much of myself. And yeah, that's not what this verse says. All right. First of all, it says in Christ Jesus. So we're going to make much of him and what he's doing in Christ Jesus. Uh, it says, I have reason to be proud of my work. Next two words. For God. That's it. All right. And so he's talking about a pride in what Christ is doing through him. We'll come back and touch this just a second. Notice he says, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. The work of Christ through me, that's what I'll be bragging on. All right. Literally, this word pride in the original language, it says boast. That's really what it's about. Boasting the sharing verbally about what's going on in a good way. All right. And, uh, He says, yeah, it's okay to have that in you where you're talking much about what Christ is doing, but be careful. It's in Christ and his work. And I'm just a tool. Are you hearing me? And it's a big deal. The difference between sinful pride 
and godly pride. Never thought I'd say that phrase. Godly pride. This verse just jams it in your face. You have to admit that there's a time to take a good, hard look at a positive statement of Christ's work in your life or those around you. A godly pride. And so it looks like this. You ready? Universal sign for godly pride. It's all about him. It's just a constant pointing to him. Like, I love what God is doing in this place. I love what he's doing in my life. I love how God had this in hand. I, I love how selfish pride. You ready? The sinful pride. You would not believe how awesome I am. Right? The end point is right here. Let me tell you a story that went down and how I shared some things with someone and helped them along their way because I am so awesome. Sinful pride. It ends with you. If you're a storyteller where you're the hero of your story, watch yourself. If you love to bring it up where you can tell someone what you did to end it on you, watch yourself. That's not in Christ Jesus and what he's accomplishing through me, him. Like, I, I just love what he's doing, man. And I, I love, I had this opportunity to share yesterday, blah, 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 blah. And a guy came to Christ and he did this and he did that. And isn't God awesome? I can't even imagine what he was doing in that guy's heart. To, do you hear what just happened? Turn that corner and get it vertical as fast as you can. Get it off of you. Otherwise, we're in sinful pride. Do not land it on you. Land it on your king. He's the author and perfecter of your good faith. He's the creator and the redeemer. May we make much of him. And all of God's people said, that's what it's looking like. He says, in Christ Jesus, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Uh, Notice, he's not proud of his work in general. He's not like, isn't this awesome? Like my clothes match. (laughs) Right? Or isn't this awesome? You should see the tents I make. Paul, he was a tent maker, right? You should see that tent I sewed. Isn't that a great tent? Look at the stitch fabric that I used here. Isn't that wonderful? Right? Right? That's not what he's talking about. He's like, listen, the work done for Christ, gospel deep, every day in every way, there is always a purpose that God has you called to in growing you personally and reaching out to those around you. God has you here for a reason, and it has to do with Jesus Christ and him glorified. Be careful. It has to come down to that. And um, this past week I was talking to a guy and uh, asking him a little bit of information. And uh, he ended up sharing with me uh, his testimony. And uh, I won't go into deep detail because I didn't get specific permission on that. But I'll just tell you this. Uh, He was deployed in the military, not a believer. And he's on the aircraft carrier on his way out. And he's just out looking at the ocean. And that's all that he could see all the way around him. And uh, an officer came up to him standing on the deck. And they started chatting about the meaning of life. And the officer said, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? No, I don't know what you're talking about. And they walked it through there. And that major led him to Christ. Yeah, he, he may be in the military, but his job is building kingdom. You hear it? What's God calling you to, man? It doesn't matter what your job description is. That's great. Go ahead and do that and do it well for God's glory. But hear me. You have a Savior and His name is Jesus Christ. 
Do not make that small. Make that huge for Christ. That's why I'm here. And I don't know which way it's supposed to go. And maybe it's just my attitude today as I pick to not be a, gr- a grumbler or a complainer. Maybe it's that I'm going to hang late and finish this project. Maybe it's that I'm going to get something done over here. Maybe it's that I'm going to have an answer for the reason of the hope that's in me. Maybe it's that I'm actually going to take a bold step out and share with someone. I don't know what God's called you to on each and given day, but I do know this. You are not called there just to do earthly task. You are called there to a heavenly assignment. God's got you placed. What's your call? Be careful. We can oversimplify and overworldly set up. And now we get so caught up in the possessions we have and the titles we carry and the work that we do. And, the, and all we're doing is managing earthly things that will go away. Paul's like, I'm working on the eternal. Come join me. That's what we're talking about. He says, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished uh, through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. Three things that he used to bring the Gentiles to obedience. He follows it up here. Uh, Three lists. By word and deed. Like there's some things I got to say and do that would lead the Gentiles towards him. I got to chat with them and challenge them and bring them along by the power of signs and wonders. There were times where God gave the apostle Paul a sign, a healing miracle, a something in the moment to speak, something done where they were like, whoa, where did that just come from? And then he was able to say, that's where it came from. And let me explain a little bit more to you about that God and his name is Jesus Christ and his authority in your life and right by word, by deed, by miracles, by power. And uh, and then he says at the end here, by the power of the spirit of God. And uh, I'm just telling you, there are days and weeks in this church where I am amazed at the work that God does. As we have had something to be planned to preach for, you know, weeks on end, right? I plan 52-week calendars, so we kind of have a loose handle of where we're going all year long. And somebody walks in on a day that we're preaching a topic, and we hit that detail of that topic, and they walk up, and they're in tears, and they're like, you don't know where I'm at. Did you preach that because of? And is it, you know, like, did you shape this service for me? Yep, that's what I do. (laughs) And, uh. You know, no, that's God working in your heart, man. He's prepping you with life experience beforehand and he's bringing you on the day that word will rock your soul and the power of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. Praise be to God. This is not a monologue, me talking to you. This is God speaking to you as well. And I love the power of the Holy Spirit at work. That's when we know lives are being changed. When they come up and they're like, I can't even explain. We're like, well, that's got to work. And uh, praise be to God for that. Man, you have opportunity to see God use you in those ways. Where a moment, a word, a help, a resource, a, a praying for someone, a putting an arm around, a being there with them in the hurt, of being there after the hurt. Uh, I'm not sure what God's called you to, but he's called you to build his kingdom. That's what he's called you to. 
You have privilege, man. And I don't know what it looks like, but it is an amazing privilege that is so much greater than anything this world has to offer. You can be a part of someone having eternity stamped on their heart and them being progressed forward for the Almighty and for His name. That is worth going after. And all of God's people said, do not lose sight. What a privilege we have. And, uh, right. He says, by word and deed, by the power and signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that, purpose statement, from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Paul's statement. I feel a calling to make clear who Christ is and to passionately share a godly pride in my Jesus Christ and make much of him with all I've got. And uh, I took this poem. This is actually a Beth Moore poem. All right. And uh, pride. We'll go through it first with selfish pride and then we're going to reverse it into godly pride. Selfish pride. My name is pride. I am a cheater. I cheat you of your God-given destiny because you demand your own way. I cheat you of contentment because you deserve better than this. I cheat you of knowledge because you already know it all. I cheat you of healing because you are too full of you to forgive. I cheat you of holiness because you refuse to admit when you are wrong. I cheat you of vision because you'd rather look in the mirror than out a window. I cheat you of genuine friendship because nobody's going to know the real you. I cheat you of love because real romance demands sacrifice. I cheat you of greatness in heaven because you refuse to wash another's feet on earth. I cheat you of God's glory because I convinced you to seek your own. My name is pride and I am a cheater. You like me because you think I'm always looking out for you. Untrue. I'm looking to make a fool of you. God has so much for you, I admit. But don't worry. If you stick with me, you'll never know it. Selfish pride. Tears you down, makes much of you and all the little tasks that you're about on an earthly, daily basis. Selfish pride. Do you see how awesome I am? Now let's reverse it. Godly pride. So I'm just going to take a few of these phrases. Selfish pride because you demand your own way. Godly pride. Lord, your will be done. Not my will, your will. Uh, Selfish pride. I deserve better than this. Godly pride. Are you kidding me? I'm a rebel who deserves nothing. And he's gone to the cross for me. I deserve nothing and he's given me himself. My God is awesome. I'll walk through whatever he calls me to walk through. That's my king. Because you already know it all. I know nothing. My God is sharing with me the little bit I need to know about salvation. And I'm hungry to hear more. He knows it all. Godly pride. Because you're too full of you to forgive. I cannot believe you stepped on my toes. How dare you? Godly pride. My God forgave me in the midst of the ultimate rebellion. I made it all about me and he has no business to forgive. And yet in his love, he pours it on. 
May I stop holding it against you and come back to you and release it because my God has released me. Let me introduce you to the love of my Savior. Godly pride. It is life-changing. It is world-altering. You now approach every single circumstance going, God has this. Now, what's he doing here? And I'm ready to see anything go down. And I don't care what it calls me through or what pain he calls me to or what task I have to set aside or who else gets made much of. I tell you this, my God will be glorified. That's what today is going to look like. The Apostle Paul and his challenge to walk through life. Look, as a parent, God first, right? As a student, God first. As a spouse, God first. As a worker, God first. You put him first and you watch God wreck this world with his greatness. What a privilege we have to serve our king. That's the call. Simple statement. And be proud of Jesus Christ in your life and nothing else. So how are you doing with that? Are your stories more about you or more about your king? Maybe let me ask it this way. What's crippling you and keeping you from running right to where God has got you? Maybe it's that you want to make more of your name than you think that will do. Maybe it's time to set that down and say, I want Jesus Christ glorified and I don't care what it costs me. I'm going to take pride in my God. Vertical indication of godly pride. Everybody just do it with me. Universal sign. Him first. Selfish pride. Me first. Get off of this. Get onto this. That God might be glorified. All right. And third. Hear his call on your life. And run there to declare his mercy and glory. Hear his call on your life and run there to declare his mercy and glory. He says, starting in verse 20. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ uh, has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will understand. So I make it my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ has never been heard because I don't want to build on someone else's foundation. All right. Now you tell me, does that sound prideful? When you first read it, aren't you like, why? Because you want to make much of your name? Like, what are you going for, Paul? And what are you actually trying to do? And be real when you're reading scripture, all right? Please don't just read it and go, I don't know. Just has to be that way. And like, I'm not going to work it out in my mind. I'm just going to say, okay. And Paul seems like a punk, but okay. And uh, what's he really saying here? Well, here's what he's saying. You ready? So Paul has a life verse. This quote that he just put here, this is his life verse. Isaiah 52, verse 15. Paul's life verse. I, uh, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Like I'm just telling you, I read in Isaiah that he is going to unreached people groups. 
He is going to get out there and God is literally going to touch the soul of someone who has never heard and they are going to come to trust him right then and there. And I'm telling you, my passion is to be in that spot. God has designed me to build that thing up. I'm going after that with all I've got, man. That's what it's going to look like. I want to be out there on the cutting edge of finding a whole world of no believer and bring them to believership that God might be glorified. That's awesome. And that's Paul's verse. And he's going after it. And we need people like that. And just so you know, uh, that's not Harvest Bible Chapel at all. Are you hearing me? I need this to be really clear. We're not going to an unreached people group. We're going to a rather reached people group, right? There are believers that have come together. We rally together a core of on-fire people and we bring them together. They're like, we need some way to be fired up about Christ. And we rally together that 30 to 50 and it ends up maybe a hundred and we launch a church and we're like fanning flame. Our job, ready, is the Timothy call, not the Paul call. Okay. Timothy's call. Dude, you stay where you are in that church. You fan that flame as you preach and teach and live it out. As you shape and shepherd and model for them. You take care of that church and you grow that church. The Timothy call. And uh, at Harvest, we often call it red apple ministry. All right. The apples are ripe unto harvest. And so we're getting into spots where there's 30, 50 people, whatever it is that we can rally together and begin to call it church. And we fan a flame on that as we begin to grow them up. They might get the privilege of being able to share with someone next to them about Christ and bring them to Christ. We've had almost 250 people saved in the last year and a half here. Great privilege as we go about it. But I'm just telling you this. Our job is to fan the flame of the church that sits here, not to run off and say, okay, that's it. Y'all have been in church now together. Get out of here. I need everybody to go alone and try to meet a bunch of people that don't know Jesus and just be alone. Like we're blowing up the church if we do that plan. There are some that are called to the fringe to begin to preach to the unreached people group. That's Paul's call. And I'm great with it. The first thing that Paul does is go preach it. And all of a sudden he gets a few people that are accepting Christ, right? He brings them together. And now what does he have? A core, a church. So he starts fanning the flame and he's like, I need a Timothy. And he brings him in, ironically. I need a Timothy. And he brings him in and he's like, grow this thing, man. I'm off to the next one. And that's what we're talking about. There is Pauline ministry and there is Timothy ministry and they both have extreme value. Paul's understanding here, I am called to the edge and I'm willing to go there with all I've got. All right. What's your life first? And uh, if you're like me, you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I have one. I didn't have a life verse for a long time. And uh, I like all the words in the Bible the same. That's a cop out, just so you know. All right. What's God speaking to you on where he's pulling you towards a direction? Here's an easy one. You ready? First Corinthians 1031. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Man, you can pick a verse with eating and drinking in it. That's low bar, right? And uh, whatever I do, all for his glory, whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, all for the glory of God. First Corinthians 10, 31. That's a great starting point. Uh, here's one that I lean on. First Timothy 4, 12 through 16. Uh, let no one despise you for your youth. <laughs> it applied more earlier in my life. 
But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. A Timothy model, a Timothy call to his passion in life. All right? And... uh all right, here's another one, Acts 20, 24. Um, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I will finish this race for him and his glory. Acts 20, 24. Uh, here's another one, Galatians 2, 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And uh, here's one more. Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted on the earth. Praise be to God. Man, go after a life verse. A call. Where has God called me to? And it might be the exact same job with the exact same job description with the exact same employees and friends, but all of a sudden it's with vertical purpose that God might get the glory. Where has God called you to? Run to that place and make much of his name. Be proud of your Savior, not of yourself. And then come alongside of all those around you, encouraging and rallying with all you've got. I'm telling you this. If you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, God's got purpose with you. And he's ready to take you to the next level in serving him. Are you ready to be a husband for God? Are you ready to be a wife for God? To be a student for God, to be a worker for God, to be a family member for God, to be a friend for God. Enough of doing those things for myself. I'm done with it. It is time for my God to be glorified in everything I do. Here's my verse that I'm going after that God might be glorified. And I'm just telling you until you have one, first Corinthians 1031 is your one. No matter what I do, whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, do all to the glory of God. That's your verse. All to the glory of God. And God will rock your world. As every morning you wake up and you say, Lord, who today? Lord, what in me today? Lord, what do you want changed today? You're in charge. May I worship you with all I've got. That's living as the church on fire. And all of God's people said, let's pray.